Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of the Neoliberal Round Podcast, Season 4, Episode 6. Notice I said Season 4, Episode 6 and not Episode 5 because Episode 5 is already in production, but we are having a problem. The processing of Episode 5 is taking a little bit longer, but Episode 5 should be available later tonight or early tomorrow morning. But we, but this is Episode 6, which we was published and ready to go and we decided to release this episode because this episode has some follow-up comments um, from episode 5 which is, which is yet to be um, uploaded and released but it's in the works and it should be available later on tonight. But this episode, we have three segments. The first segment, we look at, or we look at, we ask the question, where did all these extra boxes come from? We're talking about Donald Trump Mar-a-Lago's estate because we know that in January, the FBI raided the Mar- Trump's residence and found 15 boxes and we were under the impression that not, no more boxes were left. But recently, they raided the estate and found hundreds of boxes. We talked briefly about that in the first segment. And in the second, second segment, John Castro provided us with some comments about how he's doing and and also some follow-up about the suit and the timeline as to some expectations as to what next. Then after that, we go into segment three, where I talk about teaching theology today, which is actually a follow-up to a previous episode that I had done talking about teaching theology today at the Jamaica Theological Seminary. But this episode, this episode I talk about teaching theology today is not indoctrination, but facilitating ideas, facilitating thought, promoting and motivating students to arrive at their own conclusions based on their interaction with the material, which is not slanted in any particular way, but is about exploring various aspects of life so as to have a relevant theology. I talk about that and why I will no longer be teaching the course, teaching theology today at Jamaica Theological Seminary. And just so you know, subscribe to this show at https colon forward slash forward slash anchor.fm slash the neoliberal slash support and donate to us. You can subscribe for free and you can donate at anchor.fm slash the neoliberal slash support. Visit us at rinaldocmckenzie.com and theneoliberal.com and join me October 10 to 12 in San Antonio, Texas at the Association of Graduate Liberal and uh, uh, Graduate Liberal Studies Program. Again, the AGLSP conference, annual conference in San Antonio, Texas, the Association of Graduate Liberal um, Studies AGL Association of Great Liberal Studies program. Um, they're having a conference and I'll be speaking there October 10 to 12 and I'll be talking about uh, concepts and themes from my book, Neoliberalism, Globalization, Income Inequality, Poverty and Resistance. And um, if you haven't gotten your copy of the book, it's available in audio and it's also available in paperback, hardcover and in ebook on all platforms. And you can also reach out to me for your own copy at rinaldocmckenzie at gmail.com or 215-317-9202. 
the neoliberal corporation is serving the world today to solve tomorrow's challenges. We'll be right back after these messages. ABC just now the correspondent I'm watching ABC News on on ABC News Live via their their online stream I'm not looking at your voice your vote um, and the woman asked the correspondent why do you think that um, Donald Trump wants to hold on to those documents for those of us who knows what's going on in the news is that the FBI recently raided um, uh, Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago's residence um, recently and they took, they found hundreds of documents, sensitive documents and documents that does not belong to him but, be but belong to the United States people, to the, to the, to the national, you know to the archives and it's, it's to the government and their sensitive material that he shouldn't have. So uh, the correspondent asked a guest to come on the show uh, and probably an experienced guest, a consultant of the sort and said, why do you think Donald Trump wants to hold on to those other documents? And the correspondent replied saying, maybe because he's planning something nefarious or there's something in it that speaks to something nefarious. Or maybe, you know, he's been Donald Trump. He, you know, no, he doesn't think, and no one should tell him what documents he should hold, hold on to. He wants to keep whatever documents he feels that he should keep. But then that makes no, that's nonsensical. That particular second response is nonsensical. If you think critically about it, if, you, and if Donald Trump wants to keep whatever documents he wants to keep and nobody should tell him what document he should keep, but fine. It still doesn't answer the question because why does he want to keep those documents? those documents now and so this is and of course it but i want to push the bar to to the next level i want to ask a different question because it in january the fbi raided mar-a-lago and took 15 boxes of information of, of documents sensitive documents and according to the fbi and to the authorities, they had taken all the boxes and there was none left. However, 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 
just we just we, a few days a week a few weeks ago the fbi raided mar-a-lago again and founded even more boxes than they had found the first time of sensitive material that belongs to the to, to the national to the nation so the, it begs the question then if the fbi had raided this off the mar-a-lago in january and found and 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 found 15 boxes and reported that they and there was none left and they found they took all the boxes that were there and how is it that now that they're they raided the office and now they have found several hundred boxes of information where did those boxes come from unless in the first raid they did those boxes were hidden because he knew that they were coming or when they came he was able to hide but where did he hide those boxes where they came from maybe he was aware of the raid in the first instant and hid those and 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 and, and left those that he wanted to have been taken and the ones that they didn't want to take he hid them somewhere now after the raid now he says he's, it's clear in the woods he didn't expect that there was going to be a second raid now he has he brought them to his office to his residence and all of a sudden the fbi showed up again and found other material other uh, these materials that is probably what really happened okay because those because we were under the impression and according to reports that they had taken all the boxes and, and there was none left and now the fbi raided this off residence and now all of a sudden they find hundreds of boxes of, in, of information where, where they come from huh they were hidden they were somewhere other than his okay and this fbi showed fbi showed up unexpectedly so this now this, this is quite interesting. And now they and now they and now Donald Trump is fighting to to prevent the release of the um, of the information that that was taken from his um, from the Mar-a-Lago residence. It would be interesting to find out what those documents were and what they point to even as we think about the whole january 6 investigations that's happening right now concerning his involvement in in, in concerning his involvement this is the neoliberal round podcast we'll be right back after these messages Recently, we we reached out to, or I reached out to John Castro for comments concerning the raids, um, the raiding of Donald Trump's uh, Mar-a-Lago estate, and also just some follow-up comments um, as it relates to his filing on the 25th, because he had released the video and also, and we actually have it for you on the on the podcast that we actually we will we. we we're working on it. We're working on the podcast with um, that looks at a live, the live video interview with myself and Mr. Mr. Castro that was available in order, but we never released it in, 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 in video. It's, we have it available, but it's a big video and um, we're having a problem uploading. It's taken several hours. We started the upload from about three days ago. It's still uploading. So that that episode is actually the episode that's supposed to precede this episode, but this episode was 
published and available already so we decided to release this episode which is uh, which is episode five and then and and then episode four which would be released after episode five but it was ready and published ready to go but we have it's taken a long time to upload so we decided to release this episode but um we got some comments uh uh, mr castro who is the 2024 presidential candidate who is a regular uh, who come who who listens to the show follows the show and provide comments um uh, about different issues in the news and we appreciate him for that but um, he uh, he's also provided a commentary. He sent an audio commentary as to, in terms of how he's been doing with he um, and um, some follow up comments about the expectations regarding the, him filing the suit and um, and what next and when they decided to when and by when he gave us a timeline as to the next steps and whether or not Donald Trump will respond to the suit. But here is here is Mr. Castro. Hey, Ronaldo. Uh, sorry, I just got back from vacation with uh, my family. Um, we were at uh, in Disney for for a week, and uh, and then last night um, I, I burned myself uh, with some hot water and uh, had to go to to the doctor. But um, uh, everything's going good. Um, you know, the the capital raise uh, are are um, brokers or, or whatever they're called are already out. You know, trying to raise the uh, the capital and sell the, the stock of the AI Tax Corporation. Uh, the court case uh, against Trump, um, it's still pending. So uh, let me see. It was filed on July 25th. So the government is obligated to respond within 30 days. So that would give them uh, until August 25th. So we should be hearing from them within the next week or two. Um Actually, no, it should be actually this week, uh, but I think they were served like a few days later. But I think this week will be the week that will uh, the government will respond, but it will likely be what's called a motion for continuance. So they're basically asking the court for another 30 days to respond, typically. Um, and then I do know that uh, Trump has to be personally notified whether his legal team wants to file a um, – motion to intervene under the federal rules of civil procedure rule 24 so um you know obviously if he files a motion to intervene in that case it it's going to breathe a lot of life into the case and and draw a lot of media attention so it's going to be interesting but um but yeah all of that is is like i said kind of up in the air right now it's it's still within the government's time to to respond but um let me see. So by August 25th, they'll respond. They'll get another 30 days. So it'll probably be by the end of September when we'll get a definitive update on that. Um, other than that, I'm just kind of enjoying summer and, and just, you know, doing tax law work. John Castro, and um, we we thank and we want to thank John Castro for his comments. Um, next, the next segment we will have uh, uh, a nine-minute 
conversation a nine a nine minutes discussion this i will have a nine minutes discussion talking about our monologue talking about teaching theology today as a follow-up to the to an epi, to a previous episode that i had done talking about teaching theology today at the jamaica theological seminary that's not going to happen again and i'm and i explain why and i also talk about um teaching and how we think about teaching and why people draw conclusions about that but here here is the next segment where i talk about teaching theology today and um and i explain issues surrounding teaching and what teaching is and how and the kind of thinking that goes into to how we think about education today I was supposed to be teaching Jamaica Theological Seminary beginning August 29th, teaching the course. The, same, the name of the course was, uh, is uh, Theology Today. And in fact, one of the part, the pre- not, the part, not this, not the previous podcast, but the podcast before this one. I mean, before the, the, before the, uh, the part, before episode four. This is episode five, but epi- on episode four, if you listen to episode, sorry, episode three of the podcast, I apologize entitled theology today i i talk about i explore with another guest um the whole idea of what theology theological thinking is about especially as you think about contemporary society as you think about today and um and i talk about once theology must speaks to the issues of today and the course really looks is more practical in a sense it's because by the time the students get to the theology today class they would have have they would everyone have a theology there but probably they would have formulated a more academic understanding um of of what the of of their theology and start thinking about um um how to make it practicable how to make it relevant how you know uh, how does it looking at how so one of the things that the course theology today class looks at is is a practice is looking at the issues today look at look at the jamaican society because it's a course that's taught at the jamaica theological seminary but also looking at society as a whole and look at how theology has spoken to various segments in society and how one's theology can speak to today's society the course is now um i got an email from from the head of the department um expressing some concerns that some of the alumni of the jamaica theological seminary some of this have saying that i am not a i'm a bit radical I'm, or I'm, I'm radical or and they um, or my 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 theological beliefs may not be in line with the school's theological beliefs and so i may not be a good fit to teach the, and they're concerned about me teaching the course because they are concerned that i may indoctrinate the students but of course and of course, I took issue to that um, with that because actually I I'm doing I have a lot on my plate this semester, so I was more than happy to actually explore um, not teaching the course, and so that they can deal with those qualms and deal with those issues that though they're having as it relates to me teaching, because I have so many other things working on, so this provides me more opportunity to do other things. But one of the things I I said to the head of the department, Mr. Richard Beckford, was that. If, first of all, people don't understand me. I had a disagreement with 
I, I was on I was on the executive at the Jama- of Jama- at the Jamaica Theological Seminary about a year ago. I was on I was on the executive of the steering committee as they were going to relaunch the Past Student Association. And one of the thinking that we had and, and the school is all Jamaica Theological Seminary is a is a Christian university, evangelical seminary, um, that uh, that provides bachelors and um, bachelor's degrees and um, in theology in theology and also prepares counselors and psychologists and theologians and so on and so forth but um but as a, we had a meeting and um and we had a discussion which um i challenged the, the where the school is exploring becoming a university and i said if we're going to become a university we have to also revisit the school's theme or the school's motto which is to know him and to make him known to know him and to make him known and who is him the the word and as we think about theology today this this jump comes to mind him is referring to god to know him and to make him known to know god and to make god known or that i may know him and to make him known so i said as if we think about as we think about becoming a university one of the things that we have to also explore is changing think about revisiting the motto and the, the our the language have we have to look revisit the language the language has to be inclusive it has to get with the times it, it has to get with especially with all what's going on in in with, with the challenges in society and we're thinking about inclusivity and empowering women and and so on and so forth and and talking about inclusion and equality and diversity and as we think about becoming a, 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 an international university, attracting students from all walks of life, we have to also think about if we want to become a university to, and to attract a particular, and to, to expand the, the universe, we have to think about the language, we have to be inclusive. So I said, we may have to want to adjust that instead of saying to know him or to make him known, is, it could, could be to know God or to make God known. But people took issues or exception to that. And that, and so because of that particular issue, there are some members of the alumni who have expressed concerns about me teaching theology today, thinking I'm going to indoctrinate. First of all, that has nothing to do with the issue, but of, of becoming using inclusive language. But the worst of all is the word. If people, if the rationale behind me not not wanting to teach because of fears of indoctrination, first of all. People do not understand who I am as an individual. I'm a critical thinker. I said, what is the ultimate of all things? The ultimate of all things is that we become one with reality in, with all of our individuality. A man says, once you label me, you negate me. I don't believe in imposing one's value on others. I, okay. And so if I don't, if I promote individualism, if, okay, if I promote that, then how am I how is it that I am going to, in other words, I, I said empower people's thinking. How is it that people have failed? Because people do not understand who I am. And I've, there's, I've written a lot. And so, and if, and I should probably invite them to listen to, to read my writings and to, and I say to people, I'm a Judeo-Christian. I choose to be a Judeo-Christian over anything else, but that doesn't mean that any other religious experience is less than mine. Okay. And what I believe in as a, as a theological institution, the role of the, and the role of, a, of an educator is to facilitate 
my not to indoctrinate and if if people understand my my philosophy behind teaching is that teaching is not supposed to be a top-down approach students don't come to the when you think about the learning process students and learners don't come to the learning process as tabula rasas as empty blank slates children who are just born they're not empty they're not dumb people are intelligent they are, people can think people come with various experiences various understanding and so my job i so i don't see the the students as an empty drug and i pour into that no my job at this level especially at the collegiate level is to facilitate to facilitate critical thinking to facilitate and to empower their own understanding by providing materials from various school of thought that they can interact with so that they can formulate their own theology that speaks to the challenges and the issues today and to also expose them to some of the challenges and to have an erudite understanding and to 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 provide uh, an academic an analysis as to what is happening in society today so that now they can they can bridge that gap there can be the, the marriage between theology and the and the issues of life and today and so 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 that so for so that is what is important so teaching is not a, so already people already the fear is that people don't understand what teaching is about so unless people think that teaching is about indoctrination well that's not what teaching is about and so there are fears that I'm going to indoctrinate if I teach but I'm not I don't believe in I don't believe the education process is one where the teacher indoctrinates. The teacher is supposed to facilitate. The teacher is supposed to motivate. The, pe- the teacher is supposed to empower and dec- encourage. The teacher is supposed to provide resources so that the students can make up their minds and, 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 and write papers and, and be able to express themselves and to, to move on from here in, 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 with, with, in, in such a way where their minds are developed. That is what is important here. That's what is important here. Mm. Okay. Right back after these messages. Thank you for listening to the Nilubur Round Podcast. Join us later or tomorrow for episode five, which as we said as I had said indicated earlier, it's it's it was it's already edited and ready to go but it's taking a little bit longer the uploading process is taking it's taking forever because it's a two and a half hour episode um with um with several videos and this is an and it's actually an uh, uh it's an a, a video podcast which is available in audio as well but it's, it's gonna but it's 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 a video podcast and it's taking a, a little bit longer to upload but we will have that available for you later on but um subscribe and if you subscribe for free then you will get not- a notification when the next episode is available thank you so much for listening to the neoliberal round podcast what good